And I'm going to explain to you why they're called sandwiches passages, and I'm going to try and do that fairly quickly for you because you've seen a lot already, and try and draw out just two little things for you from it. So if you go to Mark chapter 3 in your Bibles, or we'll put it up on the screen for you, it's the very last story that we saw, the very last scene that we saw there on the, on the video that Max put before us. Uh, the reason that we look at these is because uh, what happens is they're like one part, one section, but there's three parts to it. There's a top layer, the piece of bread. There's the middle layer, the filling. And then there's the bottom layer, the other piece of bread. But yet, putting them all together, they've got one common theme. Okay? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have a look out there, you'll see it starts with, doesn't it doesn't, uh, you'll see that it starts with who's there to start with. There's a crowd and who arrives? Yeah, Jesus is there. It's a good thing. Jesus' family arrives, doesn't it? Jesus' family turn up. This is the first time we really hear about Jesus' family in Mark's Gospel because Mark doesn't go back to the birth of Jesus. We hear of Jesus' family here first. And one thing we realise is that Jesus wasn't the only member of the family. So Mary wasn't a virgin forever. Uh, Brothers and sisters were part of Jesus' family and Jesus' family turns up. And you notice that the first part we see, there's a family involved. But there's also an accusation made, isn't there? What do they say about Jesus? What, what's, what are they calling him? What do they say is happening to him? No, no, not the family. Jump back. What does the family say about him? He's out of his mind. This bloke is bonkers. What's going on? Yeah, he was a nice kid when he grew up. He was a goody-goody. He did all the right things. He went to Jewish school. He did all those great things. He never got into fights. He never did anything wrong. There were really good things about him. And you should have seen him. He was good at sport. He was good at music. He was good at anything he put his hands to. He's even a great carpenter. You should see him with a hammer and a chisel, mate. He was brilliant. But now he's gone out of his mind, hasn't he? Now, I'm not too sure that all those things are what Jesus did, but you can see, wouldn't it? They've sort of been growing up with this Jesus guy. Now, suddenly, he's out there doing all this stuff. He's out of his mind. He, he thinks he's someone special. He was a good bloke, but he thinks he's the Messiah. He thinks he can heal people. He thinks he can cast out demons, but he's just our little boy. He's just our brother. He's gone a bit strange, hasn't he? You see, out of his mind means that. It means that somehow he's got a bit skew if, somehow he's missed the point, somehow he's just gone a little bit too far. You know, this religious stuff, it's okay, it's good to be involved in that bit of thing, but you know, don't get too caught up in it, Jesus. You know, you don't really want to go all that way, don't, do you? You know, not Jesus all about life, it's not... That's what they're saying to him. Have you ever heard that yourself? You know, that, you know, that Christian stuff, it's okay, but don't get too caught up in it. You know, that Jesus stuff, you know, yeah, he's a good bloke, but don't, you know, don't, don't put everything on him. Well, if you've had that, and I've had that, and probably especially from our families at times, Jesus has had that too. That's what they're saying to him. They're saying to him, mate, you've got in too deep. Pull back a bit, guys. If you don't pull back, we're going to come in and pull you back as well. So you see that? The first two verses, we see Jesus' family, they turn up. This is the top layer. This is the first part of the sandwich. And they're on about family and they're on about an accusation of who Jesus is. Okay? Let's jump to the middle part because you're going to see that the family turns up at the end as well, which is the other bottom part of the sandwich. But in the middle, we have the filling. 
and have a look what we have in there. So what happens in the filling part of it? Who's there? Verses 22 onwards. Who arrives? Or who's sitting there and they make some accusations? I'll help you. Cronin, you already said it. Teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they turned up and they made an accusation of what? That Jesus is a bezel, bezel, how you say that? Beelzebub. Satan's easier. Uh, that Jesus is from Satan. And they say, actually, not only is he from Satan, but they're accusing him to be part of Satan's family. You see how Jesus answers it? Jesus goes in and he says, first of all, I'm not from Satan because I'm casting out demons. Satan can't work against himself. A house against itself cannot work against itself. A family against its family will destroy itself. See how he's gone to the family part of it? it? He says, but I'm not part of that family. I'm actually coming to destroy that family. See what he says there in the next couple of verses? He says, the strong man, I'm going to come in and steal and tie, tie him up and steal and take away. What Jesus is going to do is actually come in and take away Satan's power. Jesus is going to come up, tie him up, sit him in the corner, and he wants to rescue Satan's family. The people who follow Satan, people who are against God, he wants to rescue them and draw them into his family. You see how he works it through. There's the family. Is Jesus part of Satan's family? What's going on there? And there's the accusation against Jesus that, mate, you're definitely more than out of your mind. You're actually part of Satan's family. We're going to see that the bottom part draws it all together. See how the sandwich is fitting? See how the theme is coming out? See how Mark is telling this story to help us see who is Jesus and what it means to follow him. Let me just put a little side in there because you probably picked it up and you probably go home and ask the question, what does blaspheming in the Holy Spirit mean? Well, there's been lots of books written on it uh, trying to explain it all, but I don't think it's as difficult as what it seems because I think the passage tells us what it's all about because I think the last little verse there when, when you saw Max on the, on the screen when he just sort of focused in and said, why did he tell them this? Why did he say this to them? In verse 30, he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. And that's the key to understanding what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What they're accusing Jesus of is they've completely missed who he is and accredited him to be the devil rather than being the Messiah. So what they're saying is blaspheming the Holy Spirit is accrediting Jesus to not being the Lord and Messiah but for him to being something else, particularly from the devil. So blaspheming the Holy Spirit is misunderstanding who Jesus is, is not knowing who he is and accrediting him as something other than he is. So that's the only thing that can be unforgiven, is it? The only thing in the whole Bible that the Bible tells us, the only thing that stops us from being friends with God is that we reject Jesus, that we don't trust in him. If we don't trust in him, Jesus says, whoever believes in me has eternal life. The opposite is who if you don't believe in him, then you don't have eternal life. That's the only thing in the whole Bible that is unforgiven, is not recognising who Jesus is and not following him. That's what it's saying here. Now, if you go to a growth group, feel free to push that around a little bit more and have a think about it, but keep it in context. Notice why he said it and notice why he put that verse 30 in there to make sure we understood it. 
And then he comes to the last part, doesn't he? The last part of the sandwich. This is where it all comes together and fits together. I don't know if you've ever been down to the sandwich shack, but if you go down to the sandwich shack uh, and buy a sandwich, they've got lots of salad sandwiches there. You go in there, you buy, uh, you decide what type of bread you like, your wholemeal, your white, your grain, whatever. You pick your bread, your two pieces, and then you pick your filling. And if you pick the ham with all the salad that you've got, you're going to have a huge sandwich. They are big sandwiches. But when you look at that whole sandwich, you know there's lots of bits in there, but when you bite the sandwich and you put it all together, the taste is just amazing, isn't it? It's the whole thing together that you're into. Oh, we could dissect each of the parts, but ultimately it's the whole sandwich that we're eating. And that's the same here. We could spend a lot of time dissecting lots of little bits in here, but I want to just give you the whole sandwich and see what the sandwich is telling us. So what does he say at the end? Who turns up again? Chapter 3, look at that, verse 31. Who turns up? The family turn up. Notice that? The family was in the first couple of verses. They went missing for a little while. There's a whole section about another type of family. And then the family turns up again. So let's see, what is Jesus going to tell us about that? And they come along and they come in and, as Max says, they whisper, hey, mate, your family's here. They're coming to get you. It was nice, wasn't it, how he did that? Just sort of gave you that sense of, what are they doing there? And what does Jesus say? He's stunning, doesn't he? This is the family that has brought him up. And he's not being degrading to them, but he's saying there is one family that is bigger than our earthly family. There is one family that is the ultimate family. What does he say? I'm going to have to turn this fan off because it keeps flipping the pages over on me. Look at what he says there. Verse 33. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. That's stunning, isn't it? That's a big call. What he would be doing is if he was here now, he'd look around here at you today and say, Here is my family. You are my family. How are we part of God's family? We do God's will. What is God's will? It is to recognise who Jesus is and to follow him. Do you see how that all comes together? The accusations. It's about family. Who is Jesus? Who is his family? Is it, is it his blood relatives? Is it to do with that? Or is it another family? Is it completely different? Is Jesus working for the devil? No. Jesus' family are those who recognise Jesus for who he is, the Lord and Saviour, and follow him. It's worth stopping and thinking about for a moment, isn't it? You see, Jesus isn't out of his mind. Jesus isn't just a good bloke. Jesus isn't just a moral teacher, but he is King and Lord and Saviour the one that will establish his family for eternity. Family now can be great, can't it? But it's only a picture of how good it can get in eternity. You see, Jesus is the one who forgives sins, who enables us and allows us and takes us into eternity. It is as we bow our knee to him in allegiance to him as our king that we recognise who he is and we understand who he is and we bow before him for who he is. 
And when we rightly recognise who Jesus is, we'll be able to have ringing in our ears now and for eternity. Welcome, brother. Welcome, sister. You are my family. You belong to me and I belong to you. That's beautiful, isn't it? Part of God's family for eternity. Recognising who Jesus is and living for him. That's our first sandwich passage. We've got another five of them to come. We're going to intersperse a couple of things between that. But let's have a look at how that goes over the next couple of months. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. Father, we thank you that Mark wrote down all that he heard and learnt from Peter. That he put it into a form that we can read today and that we can know and trust is accurate about Jesus, Lord. Heavenly Father, as we've looked at these first couple of chapters and especially chapter 3, Father, we pray that you'll help us to be in Jesus' family, ones who recognise who Jesus is and ones who follow him. Heavenly Father, uh, we don't know what to say, but we want to thank you for bringing us into your family through Jesus, Lord. What a wonderful privilege that is, now and for eternity. May we never forget that. May we always be thankful for it. And Lord, may it drive us and encourage us to live as part of your family here and now. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.